It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. It's my radio voice. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. In Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. And by the way, I was chatting with somebody uh, the other day, and uh, they knew right where Sal's was but had never been there. They uh, have a place uh, in St. Simon's, uh, on the island, I should say. And I said, you go in there and uh, you tell them Billy C. sent you and you'll get the uh, presidential treatment. Well, you got to be careful. Uh, our current president doesn't get treated too well. Well, he doesn't treat anybody else well. Ah, ah, it's for another show. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app. You want to be able to watch or listen to the show on your phone, on your handheld, on your tablet, anything that you take with you? Well, download our app. It's for free. That's right, including watching anything on Fight TV. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the download the app for free banner. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet. is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just go to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to get a signed copy, just visit our website, billycboxing.com. The holidays are approaching, so if you want to get more than one copy and give them out as Christmas gifts, which I strongly suggest and recommend, then drop me an email, billy at talkinboxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and I'll cut you a deal. Um, coming up uh, tomorrow, now remember, we have a programming note, no show this Thursday. Uh, but uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hadges, Hazard scheduled to join us. And also our Blast from the Past, which features former world champion uh, Diego Corrales. Uh, that's going to be uh, talked about tomorrow with Alex Propali and myself. Uh, so we got uh, a lot of good stuff going on this week. Uh, we've got some decent fights, which we'll get into uh, later in the week. That's uh, scheduled for this week and then next week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, but Foist, you know, I, 
you know, I, I wish I had the, you know, the circus, the clowns, you know, the clowns, if you will, the jokes, if you will, uh, of boxing. And, um, I, you know, I, I got to say, after keeping up with the press and, and following, you know, total ridiculous statements and ridiculous actions, I can't decide who's a bigger joke in today's world of boxing. Is it A, Adrian Broner, who uh, just got uh, a warrant issued for his arrest in Las Vegas stemming from the uh, when he was on the streets of Vegas and, and pushed a woman and knocked out some guy when he was uh, in a drunken stupor or whatever the case was? Or is it B, Tyson Fury, who just continues to say stupid stuff like Parker's going to knock out Anthony Joshua. And remember, Tyson Fury, this is the same guy who said McGregor was going to knock out uh, Floyd Mayweather. So uh, who's the bigger joke? Adrian Broner, Tyson Fury. Joining me right now from St. Simons Island in Georgia is Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, in your humble opinion, who's the bigger joke, Adrian Ding. or Tyson? Ding, 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 ding. Okay. I put them both on that pedestal. I think they should wear two belts as, as jokesters. I don't know. They're, they're not, you know, like I said, I wish Tyson Fury would just shut up and get in gym and box if that's what he wants to do and let his fist do the talking if he can do that. And Adrian Broner, we've had a few uh, episodes of trouble with him, haven't we? And uh, writing letters in prison and all this stuff. And, I mean, I remember way back when. I think, like I said, if you want to be, conduct yourself as a fighter and a champion and true, true, uh, uh, credible or uh, to, true credit to your craft, you know, try and watch what you do outside. Have some credibility, boys. You know, get some, uh, get some things doing. And and anybody else that listens to uh, Tyson Fury, and as uh, gambling advice, do not pick his picks. You know, I, uh, first with Adrian Broner, um, you know. I don't know if we could find a more recent loser uh, with so much potential in the sport of boxing as Adrian Broner. I mean, I am the first to admit and, and guilty of, um, in the beginning, being a huge fan of, of Adrian Broner. I, I thought that this guy really possessed uh, uh, a lot of boxing skill at the lower weights, uh, skyrocketed uh, uh, himself, um, had a little shtick going on, and and I, you know I hate to say it, but it is it appears to me, uh, and evidence would show that uh, he teams up with uh, Floyd Mayweather, and the next thing you know, either he thought he was bigger than he was, uh, misled. I don't know what the case was, but Adrian Broner turned into one of the biggest jokes and idiots that I've ever seen. In the sport of boxing, and and along with it, just uh, his potential just going down the toilet. I mean, uh, weight problems, uh, uh, moving up, uh, trouble out uh, outside the ring issues. Uh, I mean, uh, one after the other, and it just seems that this guy has let a a you know once uh, prominent future get flushed down the toilet. I I, I mean, here's a guy who. Uh, has been in trouble with the law multiple times. His last one uh, took place um, in uh, September uh, back uh, uh, 
in Las Vegas in September where he was caught on video uh, pushing a woman and uh, uh, knocking out some guy, punching a guy in, in the face on, on, on the strip in Las Vegas. Uh, he was uh, ultimately arrested for that. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, he was charged, uh, he was arrested and charged with battery. Uh, and he was supposed to show up uh, for court and didn't. And according to Adrian Broner, um, he said it was a misunderstanding. He didn't know he had to show up. I mean, how many times can you say, I didn't know, uh, nobody told me? I mean, you know, it's another case. We referred to it last week, Sal. This is another case of a boy who cried wolf. Well, if he really believes, you know, he's an elitist and uh, he's that far above the rest that he's untouchable or that special. Like I said, he's had humbling experiences in his life that should bring him down to earth, and uh, he should wake up. He's had some chances, and if you're just going to ignore signs and things of of what's happening in your lifestyle, and you're not going to try and change and cultivate a better lifestyle for yourself, a more credible lifestyle for yourself, and you're always going to find the trouble, always going to find the drama, then you know you you you're you got a problematic future in your life, you know, in in, in your future in. Uh, you know, you're going to go down a bad path, and you should really recognize it as, you know, your lifestyle, your life events. These are going to be getting very much off track of where you think you should be and where you should be, by the way. I, I You know, it's just gone from bad to worse with, yes. with Adrian Broner. Um, you know, he gets into trouble. He tries to right the ship. And, you know, one of the issues would be, to you know appear uh, in court uh, obviously he's got legal representation i would assume and i hope um you know and a court date is set we all we all know um that court dates uh especially well you know this is a more serious charge but even for something like a traffic ticket you know they're set way way in advance and as a matter of fact if for some reason you couldn't make it you know, 99% of the time you, you can get a, uh, uh, you know, a, a different date, you know, an adjournment uh, to a later date or, or what have you. I, I don't buy that he didn't know about the hearing. I, I, I just think that I think what you just said, that this guy actually thinks he's above the rules and regulations and law. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always critical of you know, uh, guys that, that uh, like, for example, I say Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, really believes that he's the best heavyweight in the world, which has got its pros and cons. I mean, that's good to have that positivity and, uh, uh, you know, uh, confidence. But on, on the other hand, um, you know, do you, uh, do you weigh in just reality, having a reality check? And, and Adrian Broner, you know, if he thinks he's above uh, the rules and regulations, and his actions would imply that, Sal. I mean, I, you know, he he does crazy stuff and and gets and, and just is shocked when he has to be held accountable for it. I don't buy that he didn't know it. I think he just acted like, yeah, who cares? You know, it's like getting in trouble in school. You know, I, he he figures out ah, what's going to happen—a slap on the wrist. Uh, they're going to reschedule it or something like that. And now he's got a warrant issued for his arrest, and that jumps from an appearance to a warrant, you would imagine that the severity of this issue just went up a little, no went up a notch or two or three. Well, it does. And, and that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is 
he should have learned earlier in his life, you know, how to be accountable and how to pay for what he uh, his actions would imply. You know, it's one thing when you get away with it once or twice. You know, it's like uh, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. You know, well, guess what? After you're you're older and a little wiser, and you've had some experiences, you you start to learn about uh, you know let's let's uh, let's go ahead and let's let's ask for permission, uh, so we don't have to ask for forgiveness. And he should have learned this on the learning curve of life a long time ago. And uh, I think he just. Like I said, he may be an elitist in his own mind, and he thinks he's above it, and he thinks he can wiggle his way around it, and he thinks he's not accountable like you and I would be. So um, I don't know. He's got other issues going on, and you know, cut the drama. You're a professional fighter. You got your life on track and go to the top. And if you got the skills and ability, you know, I, I love uh, I love the old uh, old line from uh, one of my favorite movies, The Bronx Tale: "Wasted talent." what it is wasted talent you know i mean the, the the thing is is you know we're not supposed to judge a fighter no. um or any other athlete uh outside of their field of play um but it, it's hard uh, when you look at adrian broner and to see that it's a reoccurring thing you know um like you suggest i mean you know he 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 had an opportunity to learn from his mistakes and write the ship um and so far he hasn't uh, the the incident that took place in September is an indication of that in its own right. You know, um, now when you take a look at uh, uh, you know his his future, I mean, you know, if I'm a promoter and I'm thinking about you know putting him in a, a fight with someone else, another opponent, I, I have to start weighing out the possibilities of him getting into some kind of trouble that might prevent the fight from happening and ultimately especially if i'm a promoter or a television network that may ruin uh my my event uh ultimately costing me a lot of money i would think that his actions at some point uh whether he's smart enough to to right the ship or not i think other people in this sport are going to start to say you know what this guy comes with too much baggage uh maybe we should uh, go in another direction i, I think I would think it's at that point right now, Sal. Bill, I think you're 100% correct because you're right. What can a fighter do or what can a promoter do when he's going to book a fighter or make a title fight or make some big fight, significant fight, and uh, showcase it? And guess what? Well, now we got to roll the dice. Do you think he'll make the fight? Do you think something's going to derail him in his training regimen? Do you think something's going to happen between now and, and the fight date between him and the law? Do you think he's going to get in another altercation in public or something? And, you know, Bill, I have a feeling, I, I, a different stance when we say, you know, athletes uh, and, their, and their lives are separate from what they do in their sports. I really feel in my heart of hearts, it's just my feeling. That, you know, when you're put on that pedestal and you're paid all that money and everything else as a professional and you have young fans, young people that idolize you, that emulate you, that try to look at you as a role model and you fall from grace once, twice, three times and make it a recurring thing. You know, that's 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 you're, you're somebody's hero. If not your own children, you're somebody else's hero. And, you know, you've got to really look at what you're doing as far as being a professional and conducting your life and living the life of a professional. That's my opinion. You know, it's funny because uh, basketball great Charles Barkley 
uh, one time uh, because of his actions was criticized uh, along those same lines. You know, oh, kids look up to you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, his response was, oh, I never said I was I, I was a role model. I, I you know, sure. I, I, but but the truth of the matter is, is I agree with you. You you are a role model, whether you want to accept it or act like one, you are. And, you know, I, I think that uh, there could be a, a, a in Adrian Broner's case, there could be some some young uh, aspiring fighters that feel that he's cool. Uh, that, uh, you know, hey, I want to be like Adrian Broner. I hope there's none, but, but I mean, there could be. And that's a scary thought, you know, uh, that people would want to copy him and emulate him. Um, you know, I could see it uh, inside the ring. And, and that's why, you know, it's hard to, to, to put in perspective. I was criticized when, when uh, Floyd was uh, in all kinds of trouble, and it's documented that he beats women and, uh, you know, uh, uh, smacked around a, a, a teenage uh, security guard, 19-year-old security guard, uh, and then people criticize. Well, you shouldn't judge him by what he does outside the ring, only what he does inside the ring. Well, um, I, I think it comes, you know, when when a guy, and, and in Floyd's case, I mean, a guy who made, uh, you know, almost a billion dollars in the ring uh, throughout his career, um, I, I don't think they should get a pass, uh, and I agree with you. I don't think that athletes, high-end athletes, should get a pass uh, if their actions outside their field of play uh, is not uh, upstanding. And, you know, in Adrian Broner's case, um, he's a clown. I mean, I, I listen, you know, I think he let a lot of his um, boxing uh, career slip away. Uh, I think he's a circus act right now. And it's a shame because I really believed that at one time, if his discipline stayed intact, and this guy was fighting at, at uh, you know, lightweight or, or junior welterweight at this point and kept his nose clean. This guy would be a big name. He would be a huge name. Uh, instead, he's a joke. He, he really is. I mean, I can't look at it any other way, Sal. No, and I uh, concur with you, Bill. And like I said, it's a shame. He's got to look at himself in the mirror right now and say, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your boxing career? What do you want to do with your future? And uh, can you stay straight? Can you avoid trouble? And can you put the blinders on, get back into the shape you need to be in world-class shape and go back in the ring and try to uh, stay straight, stay clean? That's all. Um, you know, when we started this uh, discussion, my question was, who's the biggest joke, Adrian <laughs> Broner right. or Tyson Fury? We just gave you uh, some data uh, and ammunition to pick Adrian Broner. When I come back from break, I'm going to give you some data and some uh, uh, reasons to pick uh, Tyson Fury. So don't go anywhere. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, glad uh, we could have you here with us. And uh, don't forget, uh, 
you know, the holidays are right around the season, right around the corner, I should say. We sh- we're in holiday season. Ah, you know what? Get another book of mine, will you? Well, I'm here with Sal uh, Rocky Senecola, and uh, I just I lost my whole train of thought. Just buy a just buy a box of just books. Buy damn a it. book, right? You know, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, before we went to break, we were talking about uh, Adrian Broner and and him being a joke. Well, now you know Tyson Fury, he's right up there with Broner. I mean, uh, Tyson Fury, first of all, seemingly had uh, the boxing world by the short ass. Uh, I mean, really, you know, he he beats. Uh, Klitschko, uh, he's a linear champ, uh, he's moving along, and then all of a sudden, uh, he hits a stumbling block, he gains, what, five, six hundred pounds, uh, he, uh, loses his license, uh, he, he, uh, has mental instability issues, uh, one thing after another, um, some time goes by, he's out of the limelight, and then he starts saying that he wants to come back, that he could beat everybody. Uh, he's calling out Anthony Joshua, uh, insulting both Klitschko's, uh, saying that uh, you know he would uh, do everything that he did to Klitschko. Which, incidentally, uh, the version of his uh, you know his version of that fight is a lot different than mine. But um, and and this is all coming again from a guy that I, I I really liked. You know, I was a big fan of Tyson Fury. Followed him from his second pro fight on. Um, but, uh, but he's just been coming out with some crazy, crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, first, uh, he gets in the limelight and he, he predicts and says, bet all your money on McGregor. He's going to knock out Floyd. And we all know how that happened, Sal. You know, we all, we all, uh, we all know what happened in that. Uh, now he seemingly has tied, uh, or joined to the hip with, uh, team Joseph Parker, who's been. Uh, trying to uh, get themselves a fight with with Anthony Joshua, and Tyson Fury said that uh, he's going to bet money that if um, Anthony Joshua has the you know what's to get in the ring with Joseph Parker, that Joseph Parker is going to knock him out. Not only beat him, knock him out. Says that jo- uh, Anthony Joshua's chin is suspect. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, we still have questions, yes, about Anthony Joshua, and that's fine. But, you know, to come out and be bold and say and predict, you know, things like that and who's going to fight who. You know, like I said, I don't mind him touting and toting and and saying that he's going to do this, he's going to do that, because he's trying to put himself back on uh, a level or in the eyes of the fans again. He's trying to make a statement. But you know, when you say some statements like that, it's it's it really your your credibility. Uh, like I said, these guys don't worry obviously much about their credibility these days. Well, you know, Sal, just to just to uh, ask you a couple questions about those statements. First and foremost, I disagree with you one hundred percent about you know uh, having be basically BSing the media and the fans to position yourself back in the mix. I mean, that's one of my biggest hangups with David Hay, you know, yeah. uh, and he's up there as a top joke of the sport too. I mean, you know, uh, since when is it okay to just say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Uh, when I get you in the ring, Oh boy, I'm going to do this. And then, uh, and then you do nothing, you know, and then the fans are left holding their, you know, what in their hands. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is how many times is a fan going to fall for that? Are, are boxing fans that stupid that they're going to listen to? I disagree. At some point, 
The guy's got to back up what he says. He's got to be held accountable for well, his statements, yes, right? Yes, of course. I mean, Bill, that's 100% true. And I think, you know, while they're trying to put themselves in the mix, or if their promoter's not promoting them, uh, and they're trying to promote themselves either properly or incorrectly, uh, measures or, or statements, you know, what I'm trying to say is they're getting themselves out there trying to act like they're significant in some role of, uh, of getting kind of uh, uh, leverage on their side or drumming up a base of, uh, of uh, people touting and, and agreeing that he needs to get this money, he needs to get this fight. So, you know, he's just trying to stimulate some news. That's all on that level. But, yeah, and if his fists do not match or mirror what his words are stating, yeah, then fans are smart enough to have the credibility to know that if a fighter is going to say something and not perform on another level, then, you know, hey, guess what? I, I'm, I'm riding the wrong horse. I, I'd rather look at a real fighter uh, instead of somebody who's just going to be uh, a hot airbag of, of words. Well, my official vote, uh, as far as the bigger joke, I, I got to lean towards Adrian Broner on this one. I mean, Tyson Fury has come out with some outlandish statements uh, you know, he is as big as a house. I mean, uh, I heard that, you know, he got on a scale just to see how much he weighed the other day. And it said, come on, one of you guys got to get off, you know, but, uh, um, I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, he's trying to get himself a, another payday, uh, you know, um, but in the large scope of things, they're both pretty much jokes. Uh, but I lean towards Adrian Broner. How about you? Yeah. Broner Broner. I mean, what he does and how he conducts himself out of the ring and getting into altercations and fights and other things with the public and uh, and uh, stepping out outside the line of the law. Uh, yeah, you, you really, your credibility has gone down. And you're, so is your marquee value as well, pal. You know, it, it just resonates. The words that Chicky Ferrara would sit with me at the Blarney Stone and talk about after training. Sal, you have just a few short years of a career stay on track fight and do we got to do do what a fighter does and that's it you know that's all these guys have to look at they have a few short years to make or break in their career and to be something really special or not and you know when you entertain other facets of life uh instead of keeping the blinders on do what you got to do i'm not saying live like a monk but i mean you know you got to be careful and if you push the envelope and it falls off the table, guess what? There it's gone. You got to pick it up. If you can't pick it up and get it right back, forget about it. You're going to get further off the track. And one last question before I take a break. You mentioned uh, that we still have a lot of questions about AJ. I know this is not uh, concerning Adrian Broner or uh, Tyson Fury, but what, what questions? I think he answered a lot of questions um, uh, when he fought Klitschko. I, you know, I mean, the only question is, is who's better, him or Deontay? And, I, I mean, I don't even think that's a, a question. I, you know, um, we'll see if Deontay ever gets in the ring with him. But, I mean, what questions do, do, do we have for Anthony Joshua? I mean, he's, he's answered them all. I mean, the guy's getting better and better. He's, and I think he's got a solid chin. Uh, he's got heart. He's got determination. What questions, in your mind, does, do we still have to answer about AJ? Well, in my mind, you know, I'm not saying, you know, he's he's not capable of answering the questions. I just feel when you answer one question, What's it may question? open up another. What's the question? I, I think I've got to question his endurance over a 12-round fight 
and I think I've got a, a question to see if, uh, you know, I know he could take a shot. He did it against Klitschko. But if he gets a, if he, uh, gets a guy that can punch and can move around him a little bit, I want to see what happens there. Again, you know, he's had only just 20 fights or 18 fights or whatever, and he's got more experience ahead of him on a, on a plane with some of these guys that could do a little bit both. And I will tell you this, Bill, it concerns me because he's never fought or faced, in my observation, anybody quite like a Deontay Wilder. And I think Deontay Wilder, I, I'm not going to give a prediction now, but I'm telling you, Deontay Wilder, I think he's going to bring something in the ring that night that uh, is going to be uh, a surprise for uh, Anthony Joshua. Yeah. And if he, it's my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I first of all, Anthony uh, Deontay Wilder has is not, you, you can't even compare him with Klitschko, and Deontay Wilder has looked very good against heavy bags. Uh, everybody looks good against heavy bags. I don't think he's bringing anything that's going to. Uh, surprise AJ I, I do agree that every fighter improves 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 a, as they move on but I think that uh, AJ proved a lot in, in his fight against Klitschko something yes. we still don't know about Deontay Wilder he hasn't gotten up off the canvas you know he hasn't gone uh, you know long uh, in a fight against a, a, a real you know class A opponent uh, Deontay has never fought, even in my mind, a, a legitimate top 10. You know, he really hasn't. I mean, if you want to, you know, go to, to uh, top 10s in, in one sanctioning body, I mean, that's so that's such a BS ranking. I mean, he's never faced a computerized top 10 guy. The two guys he was supposed to face miraculously weren't able to fight him. And then all of a sudden, as soon as the fight goes on, they're both reinstated. So, I, listen, um I, I, I agree, uh, no fighter knows it all, uh, and AJ certainly has a lot to learn, and, and he's got the willingness. Um, yes, he does. I, you know, which, which I respect, but I think he proved a lot in the Klitschko fight. He proved to us that he's got heart. He proved to us that he does recover from being uh, spent physically. Uh, he's got a chin. Um, he's got pop. I mean, uh, you know, he, he, he beat the hell out of uh, Klitschko. Um, I mean, Deontay has shown us that he can jab only with one fighter. He's only employed to jab with, with uh, Stavern. Uh, he's shown us that he's got pop against, you know, big guys, uh, not talented guys. But he hasn't shown us the heart. He hasn't shown us the ability to get up off the canvas. He hasn't shown us a lot of stuff. And I'm true waiting true. to see the surprises that you refer to that uh, he's going to bring. Uh, when and if, because it still hasn't been made yet. But uh, when and if those two get in the ring. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, there was a heavyweight fight that took place yesterday in Russia with two, um, I don't know, names that are should be in the mix. How did it turn out? I'll let you know in about two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. 
And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, with me right now is my uh, co-host in crime, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, yesterday, Sal, in, uh, in Russia, there was a, uh, a card. And uh, in the heavyweight division, there's been some discussion about a young uh, Russian heavyweight, uh, Sergei uh, Kuzman. And uh, going into this fight, he was uh, undefeated at 11-0 with eight knockouts. And he uh, stepped in with a guy who feels, personally feels, that everyone avoids him, uh, Amir Mansoor. And Amir Mansoor is a, uh, is, a, is a tough out. I mean, this is a guy that did some time in jail. Uh, he's, uh, I thought he was 40, 41. Coach is in the chat room saying he's 45. Uh, wow. I, know he's, I know he's over 40. Um, and, you know, he, he does pose a threat. He seems to come in uh, good shape when he fights. Uh, he's uh, he's a, an attacking. Uh, he's, his style is an attacking style. Um, uh, you know, he's strong, um, and, and some guys don't want to fight him because, you know, he, he's dangerous and, you know, team Mansoor feels that, you know, he's avoided, uh, well, he signed to fight in Russia, which is always, uh, uh, an interesting, uh, scenario. And he fought, uh, the young up and coming, uh, uh, Kuzman. And, uh, yesterday, uh, the two started going at it. It was an extremely exciting fight. However, in the third round, uh, both guys, uh, they clashed heads, and it was such a severe head clash that it immediately opened up two severe cuts on each, of, uh, well, one on each. Uh, so it was a severe cut on each, Kuzman and Mansoor, and uh, they immediately stopped the fight, and it was termed a technical draw. Uh, it was uh, uh, on the uh, uh, it was on the WBC uh, as a international heavyweight title, which meant that uh, the winner would have uh, you know been catapulted to, uh, if not a mandatory, at least close to a mandatory for their heavyweight champion, who's Deontay Wilder. Um, Sal, why do you suppose that there's so many headbutts today? That, um, you know, whether uh, I'm going to say, let, let's just be specific. So many unintentional headbutts, uh, whereas, uh, you know, years gone by, they didn't seem to be as much. Do you think it's the skill set of today's fighter? I don't know, Bill. That's a good question. I, I really do not know if there's been more butts of late than there was uh, through the decades. Because I, I know every fighter has uh, uh, the chance of getting butt or being butted and, and you know, I had, I had over 250 stitches in my face. A lot of them were opened up by butts uh, and a couple if and ands. But uh, uh, the bottom line is uh, butts happen. And a lot of times, maybe it's a skill set, but, you know, you, you're, you're bobbing, you're leaving, you're moving your head, and your fist is supposed to be in front, you know. And, uh, and But if your head's in front, you know, it's it's tactical. It's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily – uh, practiced and what you should do is lead with your head, but you know it happens. But at times, it's not intentional. Uh, but you know sometimes it could be very much so. So whether whether there's more butts today than there were uh, decades ago, I I don't know. I, I think it's kind of relevant to uh, 
the the amount of active fighters there are today. I don't think there's any more today than there were yesteryear. I think butts happen. They they occur. It's part of a, the the variables of boxing. I think um, there were less uh, yesteryear, and I think some of the reasons why. And I guess that's a padded question because there were more fights and fighters of yesteryear. Oh uh, yeah, but but I I think that the skill set, you know, I talk about this all the time in the sport of boxing. It used to be a trade, you know, guys, and and we've talked about this uh, on and off the air, Sal. I mean, guys used to fight 30, 40 fights before they even, you know, were able to be a, a top ten guy, you know, uh, let alone get a world title shot. So I think that the education process in the sport of boxing, learning how to fight, learning how to move your head and not go in head first uh, came with experience. So the end result is when you were fighting in bigger fights against better opponents, there were less head clashes. You know, today you see guys going in head first. You know, uh, you yes. virtually see no head movement from a defensive standpoint. Uh, you, you see one of two things today. Either a, a, a just a brawler going in for the kill or a guy that's a runner uh, trying to, you know, make you think that he's uh, displaying the sweet science. So I think it's just a lack of of quality fighters, lack of teachers. It goes back to the trainers. There's there's no, we don't have that many great trainers anymore. We really don't. But uh, Well, you know, we do not, and you're right. And like I said, some of those great trainers that I had the opportunity and honor to work with, uh, you know, they would show me things, and, and I'd, I'd adopt them to become mine. And, and, you know, if I was appreciative or grateful, like I said all the time, and I've mentioned it here several times, they, they would say, you're welcome. Just do me a favor. Pass that on one day to a young fighter that's worthy of it. You know, because they knew that the art and the skill of boxing could be a dying thing in the future. Uh, so they wanted to have their their input, their legacy of what they could do. How they, who showed them this? Well, you know, Don Turner showed me this. Or Richie Giacchetti showed me that. Or uh, Ali Stoltz. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, some of the old school moves are just common sense of what you implement and and uh, for all practical purposes that really work and i remember each and every one of those great trainers that taught me something uniquely different or showed me or introduced me and i don't see that as much today um just a side note here hbo announced uh, uh a, a couple of good fights that are taking place uh at the end of january uh lucas matisse uh returns to uh uh, the ring, he'll be taking on Jorge Linares. Um, I'm sorry. Um, they're both going to be um, headlining. It's a co-main event. Uh, Lucas Matisse uh, will be taking on Tiwa Kiram, who's uh, 38-0 with 28 knockouts, and they'll be fighting for that old WBA regular welterweight title. And then Linares is going to be making a uh, WBA lightweight title defense against Mercito Gesta. And that's a tough fight, man. I like that fight. I don't, I got to be honest, I don't know much about Kiram, Tiwa Kiram, but uh, like what we see a lot on these uh, cable networks is guys with impressive looking records that you never heard of. And that just goes to show you uh, that uh, the powers that be uh, really don't know the sport of boxing. Uh, they're just looking for uh, and banking on the lack of uh, knowledge from the fan base. Um, I like watching Linares, and Matisse has seen better days. So um, it's going to be interesting to see the approach that HBO makes in 2018 
uh, to try and uh, catch up with Showtime because, I mean, clearly Showtime uh, has, uh, has taken the lead between those two networks. Um, a lot's been talked uh, about uh, um, a potential fight between, um, you know, uh, um, uh, Joshua, uh, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. Um, and Joseph Parker was demanding, um, you know, a, a huge split. I mean, uh, first he wanted a 50-50. Uh, then he wanted, said they would accept 40%. Uh, then uh, they said they would accept 35%. And they're talking about the percentage of overall gross, I mean, uh, overall net profits, which, um, you know, we've discussed on this show uh, where Anthony Joshua could fight me or Sal and make $20 million. So, I, I mean, I, you know, nobody knows who Joseph Parker is. So I, I don't think it's realistic. Uh, Eddie Hearn who's the uh, promoter, said it's not happening, um, you know, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Parker might be fighting uh, uh, Lucas Brown at this point, and uh, Anthony Joshua is just not going to pay um, Joseph Parker 35% of the profits of a revenue stream that, um, you know, is all because of AJ. Uh, has nothing to do with... Uh, uh, with Joseph Parker and his draw. As a matter of fact, um, Eddie Hearn said, and I quote, there's a deal there to be done with Joseph Parker, which makes him a lot of money. Uh, a win gives him a massive eight-digit payday for the next fight. If he really thinks that he can knock Anthony Joshua out, they should take this fight. It's not a million miles away, but a 65-35 split is just not happening, which I agree with. But, but here's the thing, Sal. Bob Arum. You know, that young, crazy kid of a promoter. Um, Bob Arum goes on to say that he feels that 65-35 split is reasonable. He says, I've been in this sport for decades, and I can tell you that a unification fight like this, uh, that split is more than fair. He says, uh, and, and keep in mind that he's got a promotional uh, tie to uh, Parker, um, he says uh, Joshua has uh, two belts. Parker has one. Uh, 65-35 is right. I can't see why Eddie Hearn doesn't see it as reasonable. I, you know, here's a typical thing with Bob Arum. I mean, when do you believe this guy? I, the truth of the matter is, is it, it, when you're looking at this type of a fight, you got to look at, you know, who's bringing what to the table. Joseph Parker could be the next Anthony Joshua. He could be a killer. He could knock out AJ. But the truth of the matter is, who the hell knows him outside of the land down under? Who knows Joseph Parker? You know, I, I agree with Eddie Hearn. Joseph Parker is in a position to make a name for himself. And I got news for you. Even if he loses and goes the distance with AJ or, or drops AJ or does something, you know, memorable in the fight, his stock goes up. Joseph Parker's in a win-win situation to fight Anthony Joshua. By holding out, does nothing for him. Nothing. And a win over Lucas Brown, I don't know what that does. Because Lucas Brown's from the land down under two. And Lucas Brown has that, you know, he tested positive for steroids thing hanging over him. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think they're both kind of, even though one has a belt and everything else, they're kind of non-entities. And like I said, you know, uh, Anthony Josh was in a driver's seat. I mean, the guy is a moneymaker. The guy's a drawer. And, and uh, I, I think to have... People put these conditions or demands. You know, we used to 
we used to aspire when we were up young and up and coming and, and wanting to get in a position for a title fight. We knew we were going to get lesser of the of the two. And and but the idea was to fight for the most coveted belt or to to have a, a unification bout and, and let your fist do the talking. And if you have to take a little less now and be a little humble about it, uh, let your stock go up during your actions and, and performance. And as you were suggesting, yes, Joseph Parker could be known instantly throughout the world if he steps in a ring with Anthony Joshua because they'll have all eyes on him. And if he could do what he says he could do uh, and even uh, go the distance, let alone put in a good performance, his stock and his future paydays will skyrocket up to the top. Because right now, as you suggested, I don't know. I haven't seen him too much, and he's uh, he's fighting in the land down under. And, you know, you're going to remain down under until you get on a world stage. And once you're on a world stage, then you could now use leverage if you're a drawer or if you're you're a competitor or if you got something unique that people are going to remember and want to see again. You know, it seems like the, the fighters from – um, you know, New Zealand and, and Australia are all trying to use the media. I mean, another guy that comes to mind is Jeff Horn. You know, Jeff yes. Horn calling out the world. You know, uh, he had a career-defining win against Manny Pacquiao, and he's still stagnant. You know, uh, you know everybody, rather than want to see Jeff Horn, they make the excuse that Manny's finished. You know, so I, listen, um, I, these guys need to, to get out there. They need to not be so greedy, uh, take the fight, and prove themselves. That's the beauty of this sport, Sal. All you got to do is win. You know, if, win. You know and, and in Jeff Horn's case, it's a shame that, you know, people were so quick to discredit that win because of Manny Pacquiao being so faded, but, uh, uh, but it is what it is. Hey, um, in, uh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, and I, and I agree with you, Bill. You know what? Jeff Horn had all eyes on him at that moment. Uh, he beat Pacquiao uh, by hook or crook, whatever it was. He won, and the bottom line is he should have he should have been back in the media. He should have been back on top. He should have been back. They should have talked about it. He should have already been back in the ring and uh, make some noise and and do something else instead of just waiting. Because right now, ah, who's Jeff Horn again? You know, you have this. You got to strike when the iron's hot. That's what I'm telling you. Right. No, I agree with you. Um. Over in uh, Monday Night Football, uh, we had uh, the Ravens top the Texans 23-16. to In NBA action, the Pacers beat the Magic 121-109. The Cavaliers over the 76ers 113-91. The Pistons beat the Celtics 118-108. The Trailblazers topped the uh, Knickerbockers 103-91. The Rockets over the Nets 117-103. The Spurs beat the Mavericks 115-108. The Kings over the Warriors 110-106. And the Clippers uh, beat the Lakers by five, one twenty to one fifteen. Over in uh, NHL, uh, the Panthers beat the Devils three to two. Um, the Penguins uh, beat the uh, Flyers in overtime five to four. The Canadiens beat the Blue Jackets three to one. The Jets over the Wild seven to two, and the Blackhawks beat the Ducks seven to three. Um, I got some emails to read. Uh, this is uh, a couple of the ones that. Uh, uh, I didn't get to yesterday from my man, Mitch. He says uh, the the subject here is life ain't fair, especially in boxing. He says boxing isn't a, isn't a fair world, and sometimes it just irks you. 
The odds right now say Anthony Joshua fights Joseph Parker next. So that makes Dillian White, Vladimir Klitschko, and Joseph Parker for AJ. Three guys odd favor to beat anyone on Wilder's record. So let's say AJ beats Parker and Wilder beats another tomato can. Then let's say they fight late next year and AJ is winning and Deontay lands a big right hand and wins the fight. It's like AJ's doing all the work right now, knocking off the big names in boxing, putting his body through the wear and tear of good matchups, while Wilder is in the easy bracket of their matchup. If he lands that right hand on AJ, you'll never stop hearing Wilder and his fanboys, including Sal, talk about how AJ was ducking him and fighting nobodies while Deontay took the hard way to get there. They'll say he's better than White and Klitschko and Parker because he beat the man who beat them. I'd hate to see that scenario because he's the guy taking on real challenges, meaning AJ. Uh, Knockouts cause amnesia. Watch how Wilder and his fans come out and call AJ a chicken if he takes on Parker. Of course, that's preposterous because it's a damn unification fight. But because of fan ignorance about Parker and the title he has, they won't get it. Meanwhile, they'll think about uh, all they'll think about is how devastating Wilder looked in his last fight. Uh, he says knockouts cause amnesia. The truth is, uh, prior to Stavern, Wilder looked bad against Washington, Spitzka, and Molina. He did look good against Duapaz and a shot Chris Ariola. I'll give him those two. However, because of the Stavern fight, people think he's invincible and AJ scared of him. One big right hand when they meet. Uh, after AJ did most of the work taking on real challenges, could make them feel validated. See, I told you he was scared of Deontay, uh, is what the fans will say. Boxing just isn't fair, but then again, neither is life. Interesting points by Mitch. Uh, he's got another uh, point that he wants to make here, but but uh, let me let me ask you this. I, although I agree with with him about the road and and i like his choice of words when he used um bracket uh because if you look at sometimes uh all-star brackets or or um you know uh, um the tournament brackets you know sometimes you 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 feel that one side is is clearly stronger or harder than the other um but at the end of the day unfortunately in boxing and any sport a win is all that matters And although I definitely agree with what Mitch says, looking at uh, AJ's resume compared to Wilder's, in my opinion, they're they're not even close with the level of opposition that the two guys have faced, even though Wilder has fought more fights. Uh, But at the end of the day, Sal, if Wilder was being manhandled by AJ and then all of a sudden lands a right hand that knocks AJ out cold, he's going to deserve the credit. What's your thoughts? Bill, and I've kind of hinted without coming out and just saying it. That's the scenario I actually believe I'm going to see if they do get in a ring. And I'm sorry because I know I and, – and was it Mitch or Willie? I think it was Mitch that came out with dubbing the nickname for Wilder as the drunken octopus. Well, I don't know which one. I think it was – I think it was uh, – was it Mitch? But anyway, you know, I looked at that, that scenario – meaning that that name and the way he fights and his style and punches coming from all angles that's what i meant that 
Anthony Joshua has not yet fought against a style like in Deontay Wilder. And I feel in my heart of hearts, uh, maybe I got my uh, vision glasses on or, or a crystal ball, but I think Deontay Wilder could be very, very dangerous for Anthony Joshua. First of all, because he does believe he is the best in the world. And I think when you look at a very methodical, very stoic, very consistent uh, style that Anthony Joshua brings to the ring, which is very sound, very solid, very fundamental. Uh, I think Deontay Wilder, with his 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 freakish style and punches coming from all angles, if Anthony Joshua does not finish him early and catch him early, I think Deontay Wilder is going to land one of those haymakers, e- either inside or outside, and it's going to be a tough night for Anthony Joshua. And uh, so I see what it, what Mitch is hinting and saying. Yeah. And yes, I got off track. Uh, I think that uh, where Anthony Joshua has carved the road, has branded himself, has has gotten to the top, has fought some great opposition, and then Deontay Wilder can come in under radar and and capture all of it for the world to see. Uh, that's that's boxing. That's the way it is. You're yeah. only as good as your last fight. And guess what? For the last man standing, that's the name of the game. And you got to win. A win is a win. I, I agree that um, he would get the credit, and deservingly so. But, you know, you, you have this, and, and probably a lot of fans do too, you have this uh, idea that Deontay Wilder has this, you know, uh, supersonic punch. Uh, one shot. Oh, one shot. All he's got to land is a haymaker, no. and, and AJ's out. You know, here's the thing. No. You know, first of all, Deontay Wilder has not fought anybody that, uh, you know, you could really say, wow. You know, I, I mean, you know, Johan Duopaz was a guy that we said, oh, he must have a granite chin because, you know, Deontay couldn't knock him out. Uh, and, you know, eventually they stopped the fight and gave him a TKO. Um, listen, Deontay Wilder, uh, if he employs a jab against AJ... And all of a sudden, this is assuming AJ has no answer for it, because if you remember watching the Klitschko, Klitschko, Klitschko had a great jab, and yeah. you know he would not only was using a jab against AJ, he he was he was being aggressive too. So, um, you know, to suggest that, uh, you know, Deontay's gonna you know come in and 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 show AJ something he hasn't seen before is is ludicrous, as Mike Tyson would say. Um, I, listen, you know what? It's hard to keep talking about this fight. Because we're all, you know, assuming. And the truth of the matter is the fight just has to be made. Um, You know, I think the size of AJ is going to be the difference in this fight. Uh, Deontay Wilder has not fought a monster heavyweight like AJ. And, And forget the height. Forget the height. Because Deontay's taller, I think. Um, but the weight and the girth uh, is just not the same. And uh, I, I just, I don't see, um, there, there, there's definitely a big gap in talent uh, between these two. And if you're aggressive and hit, I, I've seen, I, I've watched Deontay Wilder fight these, these tomato cans, as, as Mitch referred to him, and move, be pushed backwards, you know, uh, when they're throwing punches. He's moving back, you know, so uh, I, no, no, I, I, it's going to be hard. But I do agree that if he did land, and I'm talking about he, meaning Deontay, if Deontay did land a punch, even if he was getting beat to senseless uh, for that fight, 
And to tell you the truth, I think it would even be more valuable to Deontay if he was dropped and got back up and then knocked out AJ. I think that uh, all the credit would go to Deontay. And I honestly believe that he would deserve it, Sal. I'm not saying that I think it's going to happen because I don't. uh, But I I do think that he does deserve the credit should it happen in the same way that Mitch just uh, uh, outlined for us. Yes, and I, I, I follow your thoughts there, and I, I agree with them 100%. And, you know, to put them both side by side, I would I could easily see, coming from Anthony Joshua, a one-punch knockout or, or him knocking out uh, Deontay Wilder. But I could see the cumulative blows that uh, coming from Deontay Wilder that would also stop Anthony Joshua. And I'm not saying Deontay Wilder has to catch him with one shot, but if he did catch him with one shot – I know that he would hurt Anthony Joshua. And then the blows that followed, if he could finish strong, I've never, it would be too much. I've never seen Deontay put together uh, you know, a lot of punches like that. I mean, I, I just haven't. Listen, hold that thoughts out because I want to finish that discussion. Okay, um, yes. But, uh, but we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we'll, uh, we'll finish that discussion. Cumulative blows from Deontay, who will be back uh, uh, in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Just before we went to break, um, Sal and I were in a uh, <coughs> discussion uh, about the uh, potential uh, showdown between uh, arguably the two top heavyweights in the sport today. Uh, my man uh, AJ Anthony Joshua and uh, Sal's uh, idol uh, Deontay Wilder, <laughs> and uh, you you had mentioned that uh, Deontay would uh, that you wanted to make sure that you, that we understood that you meant uh, you know could have been accumulation of punches, not just that one punch. You see, that's where I differ from you. I I, I think that if a if uh, Deontay does knock out AJ, it will be from one punch, one that catches him and uh, puts him to sleep. I don't think that uh, that Deontay Wilder is going to be in a position to be able to land an accumulation of punches on AJ because I think his defense has gotten a, a lot better, and I think it's going to boil down to, to really how AJ, um, or I should say how Deontay fights AJ. Does he employ, which I would assume he would, does he employ the jab like he did with Stavern and you know, how does A.J. handle it? If if Deontay Wilder employs the jab and waits to land the hammer, the right hand, um, it's going to all boil down to how A.J. Uh, can react with counterpunching and timing his jab. If Deontay comes after him in his octopi uh, method of just trying to, you know, kill him, wipe him out, A.J. takes him out too. I, I just don't see... Deontay with enough skill sets, Sal. And and I think, I, I want to see the fight because I admit 
And and it it would be foolish for anybody who's a boxing fan to think that uh, Deontay Wilder and AJ aren't the top two fighters in in the division today. I agree with you, and I think the fight is going to answer a lot of questions from both sides of the aisle or both sides of the ring. And I think it's going to be the it could be the fight of the year. I mean, for 2018, it's going to be one of the most exciting aside from. We're going to see with Canelo Alvarez and Triple G rematch, uh, uh, but I, I definitely would love to see this fight. And and like I said, Deontay Wilder, he's a Wilder puncher, and that makes him dangerous. He's not an easy read. He's not predictable. He's not Anthony Joshua. Wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you yeah. a question on that thought. He's a wild puncher, and that's what makes him dangerous. How? Dangerous was Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. He too was a wild puncher. No, Conor McGregor is not even the same. Not even the same conversation. Not even the same ring. Not even the same class. No, Conor no, McGregor I'm not, not suggesting. I, I know. I know. I'm not suggesting saying. that. But what I'm suggesting is a wild puncher versus a you know technically sound guy. First of all, I'm going to tell you something. If, if <laughs> I'm not touting my horn, but if I was in Conor McGregor's camp or his corner. It would have been a different fight. You would have seen a different fighter. I'm not saying a different different result, but you would have seen a how many trained? Fight. How many fighters have you trained, Rocky? Absolutely, I'm working on my first one. Yeah, all right, boy. all right. So be careful what you say. <laughs> but be careful. You, I know what I, you mean. I, I know, know what you mean. I got all this. I, I know. I, I know. I want to share it with you. I, I know. I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean. Let me let Let's read the second part of uh, of of Mitch's uh, email. He says, the negotiations, he says, Billy C., you were right about the negotiations. Um, whoever, my, he says, my man representing Parker went from 50 to 40 down to 35% all in a couple of days. Eddie Hearn still says, no way. Uh, AJ's bringing too much uh, to the table for you to get 35% of that total. Uh, talking about life being unfair again. If I'm pulling in like 20, 25 million and your biggest payday is 2 million, then you're not getting 35%. Listen, when your uh, boy Money used to talk about winning the Mayweather sweepstakes, it truly wasn't a sweepstakes for some guys. Like when he fought Madonna, Madonna, uh, in the first fight, uh, Marcos got $1.5 million. That wasn't much more than he got for Broner. So it's okay for Money Mayweather to lowball people like uh, Marcos. $32 million is what Marcos was asking, and he ended up taking one point five. Guerrero was asking for thirty-two; he took three. Uh, but it's not okay for AJ to do the same. He says uh, that's thirty-two million was just a guarantee. Uh, so now the fanboys will call AJ a chicken if the negotiations fall through, or they'll say he's too difficult to deal with. It's amazing what a press release will do to sway weak minds. I'm with Eddie Hearn. I'm with you. Forget the percentage offer flat rates to the opponents and make the offer a little bit better than fair and they can take it or leave it. A cash cow is a cash cow. Don't change the rules for this kid when you weren't critical of others in the past. I can't disagree. Since I agree I with disagree, since I've man. said it all myself, <laughs> since I've said it all myself, I can't agree. Uh, I can't disagree with anything in that email. And, and I think that Floyd Mayweather is a really good example to use here, not uh, with his thing about um, Marcos. And I, and I do say that, you know, uh, fighters that fought Floyd, you know, they hit a lottery, so to speak, because they knew that they were going to make a huge Absolutely. payday. 
you know, uh, but at the end of the day, Floyd was the draw. In, in AJ's case, especially in England, he's the draw. Um, Deontay Wilder, who could some could try to make the argument that he's the draw in the United States, has never made $2 million. So, I mean, again, we're going to be faced with the same type of negotiation tactics when those two fight. The big difference between Deontay and Joseph Parker is that Deontay does have some clout. He is the WBC heavyweight champ. He does have a large following in the U.S., so he does bring something to the table. And, I, you know, I think that that's going to net him uh, somewhere uh, between their offer of $7 million plus the U.S. TV rights. I think that that's more money than Deontay Wilder would make uh, unless he beat Anthony Joshua. Same thing with Joseph Parker. If they take the fight, they put a rematch clause in it, they beat him. The second fight, they're going to make tons more money. I don't know, Sal. You know, I, I mean, you know I, my thoughts, Bill. Well, the, the the sad thing is, is that these it, it it paints the illusion that these opponents don't have much faith in themselves. They're trying to cash yeah. out with the one fight, right? You know what I would say, Bill. I would make it like I said. If, if I got into promoting, I got I, I got I'll get into training. You know what? Give my ten percent if if I help you win. If I don't, if you don't win, I don't want nothing. But the bottom line is this. Why do they call it prize fighting? That's my old saying. You know what? Let it be a 60-40 split or a 70-30 or a 65-35 and let these guys get in a ring and let the winner give them the incentive. It's a prize. You're fighting for a prize. And you win that prize, then you get the biggest cut of the purse. If you don't, boom. But you have a rematch clause. I, I'm telling you, that's the way it should be. It's not. It never will be. But that's what they used to do and that's the prize fighting entity of, of, of a variable of boxing that's well, here, the incentive i that's clearly the way it used to be especially during the time of uh the guy i wrote my book on uh tom molino but um those days have changed and and when you look at a fighter and as long as we're talking about uh deontay wilder and and anthony joshua you know, both are uh, with promote, promotional companies. And, um, you know, AJ has clearly chosen the right promoter because oh, yeah. he's a world-recognized name. Uh, he is. You know, he is. E even though, uh, you know, maybe more people in the U.S. don't know him. But I, I saw and watched the clip. Eddie Hearn was in New York City, and he was just stopping people on the street, asking them if they ever heard of Deontay Wilder. This is in New York City. <laughs> You know, Deontay, you know, claims that his adopted home, aside from where he's from in Alabama, uh, you know, is Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, people didn't know who he was. They thought he was a, a basketball player or a football player. You know, they had no idea. And this is in New York, you know, so. It's like the man um, on the street interview. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, it just goes to show you. Now, I mean, that's also indicative of how, uh, you know, unpopular the sport of boxing is today with uh, with the masses. But still. You know, in today's landscape of the sport, a promoter invests a lot of money in a fighter to get recognition, et cetera, et cetera. That has to be worth something. So the, you know, winner-take-all mentality doesn't work, although I, I would like it, you know. And, and just like uh, Eddie Hearn said, hey, if, if you're that confident, fight them. Knock them out. You'll, you'll be making tons of money in, in the next fight. And like I said earlier, Sal, all these guys got to do, and this includes Deontay. If they fight Anthony Joshua and they lose, all they got to do is perform well. 
and their next payday is going to be bigger than the one they just got in losing. I, I, listen, it's it is what it is, really. Not, I mean, not, not only you're right, Bill, and not only that, but with a rematch clause in a in a in a gig in a contract, I mean, you could retire after two fights with Anthony Joshua. I mean, if you had to, if you wanted to. So I I mean, embrace it, humble yourself, and say I'm grateful enough to travel to England, and I'm going to fight for the heavyweight championship a combination of unification of the belts and I'm going to get at least $10 million this time. And if there is a rematch, then I'm going to get more next time uh, and bring it to the States. But Hey, the bottom line is we've got to get two fighters in the ring and they got to start to dance. And what's the most money? What's the best way to do it? You got it right there in England. Just remember, Sal, they can dance if they want to leave this way. But listen, <laughs> Take a dance the, if you want. The, 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 the truth of the matter is, is Deontay Wilder fights AJ. Deontay Wilder beats AJ. Deontay Wilder becomes the man in the driver's seat. End he of story. Does. End of story. I mean, you know, you want to be the driver, <laughs> you know, knock the other guy out. Right now, um, you know, in my opinion, Anthony Joshua's in the driver's seat. He's a better fighter. He's more known. And he has more belts, you know. So yeah, Joseph and, Parker's and, in the back seat, and 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 uh, Joe, Deontay Wilder is is riding shotgun. Well, Joe, Joe exactly, <laughs> exactly. Joe, Joe, I mean, Deontay Wilder, I think, is a a, a notch below AJ in terms That's of right, yeah, drawing yeah, power. Yeah, but he's in the front seat, you know. He, he's he's in, he's, seat, he's in the Joe front Parker's part of the car. And, 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 you know, Joseph Parker's uh, you know running behind him like Fred Flintstone with a flat tire. You know, I mean. Uh, uh, you know, Joseph Parker's the odd guy looking in. He needs to, and even if he beats uh, Lucas Brown or beats, uh, you know, a, a guy who's got a regular title uh, like the uh, Manuel Char and, and Freza Quenda winner uh, when when that nail biter happens, uh, it, it still doesn't matter. But uh, anyway, I got some uh, another couple of uh, emails here. Uh, this one here is from uh, my man John, and he says, um, and, and this is referring to Joseph Parker's press conference. We've got a lot of uh, heavyweight talk today. He says, hey, Billy C., I wanted to know what you thought about Parker's team highlighting Joshua's chin as a major weakness. I personally think that his chin is okay as he got up from a Vladimir right hand. I also think that in heavyweight boxing, the criteria for a good beard needs to be different from the lighter weights as they hit so much harder at heavyweight, in my opinion, the two heavyweights with the best chins historically are Evander, the real deal, Holyfield, and the greatest himself, Muhammad Ali. Both of these guys should, uh, should, or I should, he probably meant to say, both of these guys had great chins against proven punchers uh, in Lewis and Tyson and Foreman, respectively. But both fighters have been down. Can you and Sal think of a heavyweight uh, great who never touched the canvas? And who do you think had the best chin out of the current heavyweight champions? I personally think only Joshua has been in with a puncher. Uh, thanks for the answers to my last me email on Wilder's power. I liked Sal's analogy comparing him to the hitman. I wonder if Wilder will be shown to have the same flaws as the great Tommy Hearns did. Uh, also, I am sure we can all hope that Joshua versus Wilder will be as entertaining as Hagler Hearns was. Uh, when it finally comes, keep up the great work. Uh, thanks for the great email, analogy. John. And that's a good question. You know, I, I've always thought that Evander Holyfield um, had the best recovery powers 
that I've ever witnessed uh, in the sport of boxing. Now, back in the day, uh, prior to the uh, famous uh, long count between Jack Jam- J- Dempsey and Gene Tunney, a fighter was able to knock a fighter down and stand over him, and then as soon as he got to his feet, pound him again. You know, and these guys would get up and and continue. So I, I mean, there was a display uh, of chin just to if you managed to get up and survive, uh, considering uh, you know you were in some trouble when you went down and guys hoovering over you. Um, so, but but in today's uh, basis of, of the way the rules are uh, today and and over the last uh, couple of decades, I would have to agree that. Uh, Holyfield and Ali clearly uh, proved that they had some great chins, um, you know, and and nothing but nothing. But Mike Tyson showed that he had a decent chin too. I mean, he took some uh, hellacious beatings, uh, you know, before going down. Uh, but uh, but Evander Holyfield and and Ali, who obviously was in there with you know the best heavyweights uh, uh, that people can really put in perspective. I mean, this the uh, Ali era. Uh, really uh, uh, showcased uh, what we look at as the best heavyweights ever. Um, I, I can't think of uh, another heavyweight that had better chins than either of those two. And as far as today, you know, the problem with today's boxing is that a lot of times the best aren't fighting the best. So we really don't know. I agree with John here about AJ. Uh, you know, he demonstrated that he did go down but got up and ended up winning the fight. I also believe that Klitschko had a much better chin and he proved to have a much better chin than we all thought. He had that uh, uh, reputation of having a weak chin. I think his brother, Vitaly Klitschko, had a, a more solid chin. But aside from those names, I mean, uh, Deontay Wilder, he's been stunned uh, from less than stellar opposition, never went down. So you got to still give him credit. Um, I don't know. Johan Duapaz displayed a great chin against Wilder. What's your thoughts, Sal? I think Muhammad Ali had the greatest chin of any heavyweight champion I've seen, older or or contemporary, uh, which is partly why he paid for his uh, uh, condition that he uh, was ailed with in his later years. Um, I mean, the guy, he, he was never knocked out cold. Uh and he continually, if he got knocked down, he would get up. And he took a barrage of punches. He got caught with a haymaker. He got hit with some of the thunderous hooks from Joe Frazier and some of the crushing right hands from uh, from uh, George Foreman and uh, Ernie Shavers. I mean, these guys were bangers. They'd lay fighters out with one punch. Ali would just absorb them and come back and, 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 and be competitive and fight to win. On uh, most of the cases, but uh, most of the times. But uh, no, I don't think there's a, another heavyweight that had the chin of Muhammad Ali. Well, Coach is re- refreshing my memory in the chat room. He's reminding us of George Chivalo. George Chivalo, too. George Chivalo never was knocked out. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, he, he was stopped, TKO. You know, and then yeah. you got a, a outside of heavyweights, you know, Jake LaMotta was another one. You know, Jake LaMotta, uh, another one. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you're, you're, but you're talking about heavyweight class. No, no, yeah, I know, I know. George Ravallo and, and Muhammad Ali. I know. Uh, but I'll think uh, Jake LaMotta. I mean, come on. The guy had a chin. You could hit him with a sledgehammer. He wasn't going to go down. You didn't put me down, Ray. You didn't, didn't put, put me, me down, down, Ray. I got one more. I got one more. I got one more email. <laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty serious one from uh, my man Joel. He says uh, he sent me a link to an article that I had already read. Uh, he says, Billy C., it was reported 
uh, today by the big fat guy at ESPN. In case you, in case you don't know who that is, Dan Raphael, uh, a, a good writer, but a guy that doesn't know a left hook from a fish hook. But that's besides the point. He oh, said that boy. the Arkansas Athletic Commission uh, allowed an HIV positive fighter to fight. Can you and Sal please explain how a state commission would be so unprofessional to not see the red flags and allow this guy to fight? I know you've had a lot of experience in different uh, fields of boxing as a promoter, a manager, working for a governing body, etc. So maybe you could fill me in on on this, uh, how it could have happened or what they didn't do uh, that allowed this person to fight. This isn't something that could be uh, slipping uh, by in 2017. He says, also, did you get a chance to catch any of the card uh, featuring Kuzman against Mansoor? Disappointing end to the fight. I was hoping it was a clear winner. Yes, I saw it. He says, curious on uh, your and Sal's thoughts on this. And by the way, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Well, I certainly did, and I know, Sal, uh, you did too, right? Yes, I did. Thank you so much, Joel. Always, now, buddy. Yeah. Now, now as, far as, as far as this HIV situation, this has been reported by uh, Mike Mazzulli. He's a head of the uh, ABC Boxing uh, organization. Uh, um, first of all, let, let me start off by saying this. I have held a, a boxing promoter's license in the state of Arkansas. I promoted several fights, uh, fight cards, I should say, uh, in, in uh, the state of Arkansas. Um, they, uh, at least when I promoted, followed the same blood requirement rules as most other states requiring minimally uh, HIV and hepatitis uh, uh, blood uh, work to be done. Um, and, you know, if a fighter fails those tests, um, then, uh, you know, uh, they're not allowed to fight. Now, in this particular case, according to the fat man at ESPN, the state of Florida had put this fighter uh, on indefinite suspension because he tested HIV positive on one of their uh, fight cards, and they did not let him fight. Now, the way it works is that there's an organization called Fight Facts, and Fight Facts is the official record keeper of boxing. So when you are ready to uh, put a fight on, you submit uh, your proposed bout uh, fighter A versus fighter B to the controlling commission and with and this is in the states and with that you are required as a promoter to purchase um, the fight faxes of both fighters and submit them to the commission now the commission based on what those fight faxes say uh, you know, the level of opposition, et cetera, et cetera, they make a decision on whether they approve that fight or not. Now, where the Florida Commission comes in to play here is if they had a blood test that was ruled um, favorable, it, 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 it tested positive for this fighter, and they put him on indefinite suspension on fight facts, what that would mean is that the state of Florida would have had to have been the state that released that indefinite suspension on Fight Facts, uh, get a hold of Annabelle Sanchez, who, who runs uh, Fight Facts, and, um, you know, have, uh, have that lifted. Now, I can't speak for Mike Mazzulli uh, or 
whoever's in charge of the Arkansas Boxing Commission at this point. Uh, but I would find it very disheartening if it were true, if the state of Arkansas did indeed allow a fighter that tested positive for HIV to fight in the ring. Not only does it endanger his opponent, it also endangers not only the officials, the referees, the judges, everybody sitting at ringside, but also fans that could be sitting uh, close to the ring should uh, a splatter of blood or saliva or something like that um, end up in someone else's system uh, resulting in, in, you know, causing uh, someone else to, to come down with HIV or even hepatitis in that case. So I don't, I, I, I find it, I find it a, unbelievable almost because, um, you know, they have, it's pretty cut and dry. You go to a, a, a blood work place, you get the blood work done. Um, now, the only thing that you, you could make an argument for is that this guy fought under a different name. Uh, but again, uh, Arkansas did the same thing, at least when I promoted fights, but they required fight faxes. And as long as the fight fax was up to date. Now, maybe Mike Mazzulli got a copy of a fight fax that stated that Florida put this guy on indefinite suspension because he tested HIV, then realized that there was an error. Maybe they retested the guy and then they verbally released him and the Arkansas commission let the fight happen before fight facts updated their record. I don't know. But uh, but I find this, uh, I agree with Joel. This is a red flag, not only for that commission, but for the sport. I, I don't know what else to say on this one, Sal. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's, you know, clearly uh, an issue, and, and they should be everything up to date and credible, and that's why they have a fight fax. I mean, I'm banned from boxing worldwide until I got my until I get my shoulder surgically repaired because it's a torn uh, rotator cuff. But the bottom line is, and that was in Florida too, um, you you have a condition and a disease, uh, whether it is hepatitis C or whatever, or or hep, or or, uh, or HIV, and yeah, it's 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 hard to understand how uh, anybody could allow uh, a, a fight to take place when there are so many. Um, things that could go wrong or so many people that could get affected in a sense. And, and, uh, it's, 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 it's hard. I mean, wasn't there, did, did Tommy Morrison try to get that reverse or try to get a fight pass one day or something like that? Or somebody, I think in the nineties tried to fight and got a license, got a commissioner to pass or something. But, uh, you know, those fight facts are there for a reason for a purpose. And, and uh, it's it's a lot, and you know it's a uh, it's it's a it's a very sensitive subject. It really is. Well, here's the thing. Um, first of all, Tommy Morrison refused to undergo blood tests, and yes, he did indeed fight after uh, that in in uh, a fight. I believe it was in the state of Wyoming. Let him fight, yeah. but um, you know, here's the thing, and this is something Larry Hazard talks about all the time. Um, the ABC Boxing uh, Commission or whatever, um, they're not, it's a volunteer, it's a voluntary group to be part of. All of the commissions in the United States, uh, they had hoped would be part of it and that the ABC would be this governing body that really doesn't do anything. Uh, so if the state of Arkansas, and, and this is one of the problems about having a uh, government run boxing commission because under state law each state 
has their own laws and regulations that they're allowed to have, especially, uh, you know, concerning, uh, you know, boxing. So, you know, that was one of the stumbling blocks about having a, a uh, federal uh, commission, so to speak. So the truth of the matter is, is if Arkansas decided to let an HIV tested, uh, an HIV positive tested fighter to fight, as long as that commission made it known to everyone there, all the officials, the other fighter, uh, you know, the fans, that this was going to happen, then it's their decision. Um, it's everybody's involved decision whether they want to participate. You know, the ABC is making this seem like they are in control, which they're not. They don't necessarily have to follow what another state says in terms of suspension list on fight facts. So uh, it's a it's a real touchy dicey situation. Um, it is. It's I, very dicey. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, uh, I think that if if it turns out to be true, um, you know, and if it is true uh, that the state of Arkansas is going to lose uh, a lot of credibility, uh, but then again, they may gain a lot of fights that uh, features fighters that can't fight anywhere else because of medical reasons. You know, so. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Hey, one one thing uh, I wanted to uh, add here real quick uh, as uh, we are going to forego our last break is um, the WBO, uh, if you recall, the former uh, flyweight champion for the WBO, Zhao Xming, um, got, uh, a, uh, uh, got knocked out in his last fight, and they had picked a... a, a uh, a, a guy that they, you know, they were supposed to, his name was uh, Sho Kimura, that they were just going to go in and beat up in front of his uh, uh, hometown. And uh, Kimura had uh, different ideas because uh, he knocked out uh, Schming. And uh, they immediately approached WBO to have a, order a rematch for this fight since there was no rematch clause or anything. I mean, they took this opponent extremely lightly. And it was announced last week that the WBO Grievance Committee uh, had come up with a decision that they rejected an, an immediate uh, rematch between now current flyweight champion Sho uh, Kimura against the former champ uh, Zhao Xming. Uh, they are requiring Xming to go and fight someone else and uh, earn a shot just like everyone else. So, you know, although we've been critical, or especially uh, myself, I've been critical of the WBO in the past, um, at one time, I thought they were real good, but uh, they've been doing some crazy stuff lately. Uh, uh, I do applaud them for uh, uh, making Schmink get back in line. And one last thing I wanted to mention, Sal, was that uh, I know you are like me. We can't wait uh, for the uh, uh, Billy Joe Saunders and uh, <laughs> yes. uh, David Lemieux fight, which oh, is uh, uh, scheduled for um, uh, in a couple of weeks on HBO, uh, December 16th. Uh, in Montreal uh, for uh, uh, Billy Joe's uh, WBO World Middleweight title. They added a, uh, another fight in the same division, which is a really good matchup, man. And I hope wow. they uh, uh, show it on uh, uh, HBO. As a matter of fact, I, I, I know that it's now being named the co-main event. Uh, two middleweights, um, uh, Anton Douglas, who's uh, out of Virginia, uh, who has a uh, record of 22 wins, one loss, and one draw, with 16 of his Ws coming by knockout. And Gary Spike O'Sullivan, a very 
competent uh, middleweight out of Ireland uh, who's 26-2 and two with 18 knockouts are now uh, named as the co-main event for uh, Billy Joe Saunders' David Lemieux. And uh, that HBO card is shaping up to be uh, one that I'm really looking forward to, Sal. Oh, myself as well, Bill. I'm very, uh, you know, I like David Lemieux very much, and uh, I think uh, he's going to put himself back in the mix and uh, be very dangerous in a middleweight division for for a good while. Um, so don't forget, we are not doing a live show on Thursday of this week, but we will uh, be here tomorrow and Friday, of course. And don't miss tomorrow's show because uh, Boxing Hall of Fame Larry Hazard will be on. I got some boxing referee questions to ask him. Yes, you do. And uh, we'll see what his thoughts are. Uh, also, uh, I'll throw this uh, H- HIV positive uh, uh, situation uh, over to him as well. I'm sure he's got uh, an opinion uh, on this one. Uh, but uh, also, we have the uh, uh, Blast from the Past, which features former world champion and fan favorite uh, Diego Corrales uh, that Alex Papali will be on uh, tomorrow to talk about. So you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's show. Uh, But uh, we got our trivia question, and I'm trying to give away another copy of uh, the Title Bout Championship computer game. And uh, this is uh, somewhat of a tough question. The question is, name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by a stoppage, and this is either TKO or knockout, if you're the first one to email me that answer, the correct answer, at Billy at Talkin Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win a copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Now remember, that's the same email address that if you have a question, comment, or concern, uh, that you can uh, uh, contact us and have your uh, thought, question, comment, or concern read live on the show. So remember the email address, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. One more time, uh, name the f- boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by a stoppage. If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin Boxing dot com, you'll win the prize. Hey, listen, man, don't forget to tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.